mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be beginning in verse 1. Now, if you remember, um, Peter writing probably from prison, probably his swan song. He's going to be crucified upside down by Nero. And what I'd like, I, I like you to know is that there's really, in the Bible, they've got chapters and verses. And that's not really there in the original text. It's there so I can tell you to turn to chapter 2. It's there so I can tell you what verse I'm looking at. And I really I need you to understand that the, that the content keeps flowing. So in our last lesson, if you'll remember with me, we're really looking at uh, what Peter's talking about, his eyewitness of the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember that where Jesus takes his inner three that, that he was always with him, Peter, James, and John. I got my opinion. I think they were the worst of the three. They were the ones always getting in trouble and putting their foot in their mouth. So Jesus just said, I'm not leaving you with the other guys. Come with me. I'm going, come with me. And so sometimes that's why he makes us pastors because he says, just come with me. And anyway. So they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there, uh, it, one text says, in a vision, they see Moses, which represents the law, Elijah, which represents the prophets, and then they see Jesus, and he's transfixed, he's metamorphosed is what the word is, and he's, and he's in his glory of what he's going to be in the kingdom. And so Peter, one text says, having nothing to say, said, and there he is, just like I do sometimes. I don't really have anything I should say. I should be still, and I say something. And he wanted to build three tabernacles, or three tents we talked about last week, because these are earthly tents. And he wanted to build three places of worship for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And that's when the excellent glory, the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this was the place where everything was supposed to be pointed to. The son of God, the lamb of God, who would come and take away the sins of the world. So now we're not, it's not that we ignore the law. It's not that we ignore the prophets. But now God is moving to the grace of God that, that brings salvation. He has appeared. So we need to know Jesus and we need to hear him. And of course, he's the living Logos. He's alive. He's the living God, the living word. And then now we have the written word here, which helps us to understand the heart of God, the love of God, the character of God. And it's always consistent and never changing. 66 books by 40 authors written over a period of about 4,000 years, all inspired by God. In other words, just as when 
you're living for God, if you will surrender and trust Him, the Holy Spirit can use you to speak to others the truth of the Word of God. And the Bible actually tells us in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So if we're not being led by the Spirit of God, if we're not looking for an active love relationship with God who sent His Spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us and direct us and convict us, then we might be playing religion because it's the Spirit of God that's washing and cleansing you, sanctifying you and preparing you, adorning you as a bride to be presented to Jesus the Christ. In heaven at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Are, are, are you preparing for that? Are you looking forward to that? You know, brides, I, I, if you're a woman, you know that. If you're married, you know that. But brides, when, when they get proposed to and it, there's an acceptance, then they take the rest of the time that they have and they want more and there's never enough to prepare. You know, they might want to... They lose three pounds. They want to get the best dress. They want to do all these things to make sure when everybody stands up and looks back, when they, da, 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 you know, and she comes down that aisle. You know, just like Adam said, when the first marriage was done, he looked at Eve and said, whoa, man. That's a terrible joke, but it's true. And he named her woman, Eve the mother of all creation. Um, so anyway, I, I digress. So when we look at this, and probably he said, uh, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Uh, it's 118. And we heard the voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we know what he's talking about. He's not talking about the baptism of Jesus. And then 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed or made more sure which you do well to heed or listen to, uh, take notice of, as a light that shines in a dark place. We just sang light of the world. He's the light of the world. And he shines into your dark heart. He shines into this dark, dead world. And, and, and he reaches forth his hand of fellowship to anybody who will say yes and believe in him. Until the day dawns, uh, I think that's rapture, and the morning star rises in your hearts. I believe that's Jesus, the morning star, the day star you might have in your text. I believe that's Jesus, and his character is supposed to be forming in our hearts in the middle of us. Knowing this, remember knowing, 16 times, we had it in chapter, or in this entire book, 16 times Peter tells us, knowing the first one is epigenoskos, where you recognize that Jesus is Lord. And once you, upon recognition that Jesus is Lord, remember he used the word? He said you can tell a tree by its fruit. You can recognize a tree. You can epigenoskos, a tree by its fruit. So when you're looking at an apple tree, you don't go, wow, a pear tree. Not when there's fruit on it. See, everybody looks the same until you bear fruit. And the only fruit you can start bearing is when you first recognize that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That has to be first. And once you do that, then the Spirit of God comes in and seals you until the day of redemption. But 16 times the word knowledge is used in some form. And it's what we need to know. Jesus, or God said in, in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's not the knowledge of the world. See, because there's a lot of things you can know in the world. 
but it's the knowledge of what God is doing, what he's done, what he's going to do. It's the knowledge of his history, of creation, and it's all contained in this book. That that knowledge is what we need to grow in, to add to our faith, he talked about in chapter 1. And so then he wants to make the claim that this is where it comes from, the prophetic word that's been made more sure that you can trust the word of God and the prophets of old who wrote it down because they didn't do it, verse 21. It's not of any private interpretation, I should say first, or application. All scripture confirms scripture. The best commentary on scripture is to look somewhere else in scripture. It's always going to have something that reaffirms it, confirms it, verifies the heart of God. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. You can always find it in the Bible to back up the Bible. If you're trying to live on a doctrine that's not backed up in the Bible, it's legalism, it's religion, it's your own standards you're putting on yourself. You need to live by what the, the scriptures uh, teach you. For prophecy never came by the will of man, what comes by the will of man? Not prophecy, not the word of God. How about sin? The will of man chose to disobey God. The will of man chose to abdicate the throne in the garden and not tell his wife, no, quit talking to a serpent. The head of the house did not protect his wife in the garden, and Eve was deceived, and then Adam read headlong into it because he didn't want to give up his wife. Very important that we know this. The will of man only brings death. It's the will of God that brings salvation. And believe me, listen to me. It's very important to understand that because the will of man is doing a lot of businesses and budgets and buildings that they call churches today. And they're nothing but synagogues of Satan. And I'm not being mean to any church because they're deceived, because they have, the, they have the word of God to make sure of what they're doing, but they make up their own little religious system which has nothing to do with God. And if you want proof of it, go to the prophetic word made more sure. Go to the Old Testament where you see that they ignored God's word. How do I know they ignored God's word? They crucified the Lord of glory. He came and did wonders and miracles and signs, fulfilled the scriptures of prophecy and healed the blind and the lame. And they said, kill him. He's taken all of our people. You kill that person down there because he's taking our people out of the synagogue. And he was like, which of you convicts me of sin? What did I do? Where would you learn letters at? How does he know letters? How does he know what the word of God says? He didn't go to Hebrew high with us. We didn't teach him. Kill him. Crucify him. Well, he was truth incarnate. He was the living word incarnate. He was God with us, Emmanuel. What did they do? Same thing we're doing. We walk away from the scriptures. We walk away from dependency upon God. And we create our own religious systems. And we feel good because we went to church on Sunday. But inside, as he said, of them, dead man's bones, ravenous wolves, Outside, oh, he cleaned up the outside of the cup. Looks great. Put some whitewash on tombs they would do on Passover and stuff so that you would know not to touch them because you'd be unclean. But inside, they're planning to kill Jesus. They didn't want to do it on Passover because they wouldn't be able to celebrate Passover if their hands were dirty. 
because they knew they were killing an innocent man. They knew that they had violated everything about the law by having a trial in one day, having it at night. They knew that they had taken him before the Roman high priest and not the Jewish high priest to declare it. See, and so here's what I want you to know is that all deception is self-deception. And if you're not reading the Word of God and living the Word of God and living in a relationship married to Jesus, it's because you choose not to. They chose not to. They chose to keep their power, their religious system, and what they were doing, and it was more important More important than a relationship with God. Where are you at today with that? Listen, verse 21, 121, for prophecy never came by the will of man. Only deception comes by the will of man. That's why we have to be dead to our own self. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. That was the man in him wanting to escape the cross. That was the 100% flesh. But he knew in his anointing as the Messiah of God that he was going to do God's will. And listen, all the power in the universe is here today for you to do God's will and not your will. All the power in the universe. Oh, we'll stumble. We'll fall. That's why he took the penalty and the power of sin away. So now we can run in the grace of God. We can run this race and learn to run to win with endurance. And we know that when we stumble, when we mess up, I'm not giving you permission to. When you mess up, you know that the power of sin's not there. What happened? I chose to do that in my own free will. The penalty's not there. Oh, good. Yay. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When? If we walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Romans 8.1. So if I choose that, the penalty's already been paid for all my sin. So now I can go, let me confess it. Let me agree with God that that was sin and He's faithful and just to forgive me and continue to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. This is sanctification. This is what's going on on the second leg of this race. The first leg is, I believe. Then I'm sealed. I get Jesus' blood on my doorpost, and I'm innocent. I'm holy, hagios. But now I've still got to walk this out. And all you have to do is follow me a couple minutes. You'll know that practically I'm not real holy. But I'm trying to learn to be like Jesus. I'm trying to learn to grow fruit. I'm trying to learn to be like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I have to die to self to do that. And recognize that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But if you hang on... I'm hanging on to my own ways. I'm hanging on to my own life. That's the will of man. We're going to get to it eventually that the will of God is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. It's over in 3, 9. How come he doesn't say all would come to salvation? How come he doesn't say all would come to my house or all would come to heaven? See, because the first word of the gospel has to be repentance, metanoia. You have to change your mind. In order to believe in God, you have to recognize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you're one of the all. 
Plug your name in the calculator and you add up to all. None righteous, no, not one. We all need this God. But we have to come His way. Because the problem with sin in the garden was that Adam and Eve tried to do it their way, their will. Not God's will, their will. So, not by the will of man. Oh, did I tell you that it's the will of God? Did you know that the will, listen to me, it's the last will and testament, that the will is actually called a holy writ. It's a, it's a document, just like you would prepare when you die to leave your inheritance to your kids. See, God did that. Then he come to earth and died, and now the Holy Spirit's handing out the inheritance. Well, what's the inheritance? It's you get to be back in his family. You get all the power, everything in heaven, and you can now go out and hand it out to other people. You can now go tell them the word of God. You can now go present Jesus to them, which is what it's all about. It's a will, but somebody had to die for that will to be enacted. And now the Holy Spirit is the executor of the estate. And unless you're obeying God and obeying the will, the Holy Spirit's not giving you nothing to hand out. The Holy Spirit's looking at you going, I'm waiting. I want to wash you and cleanse you. Listen to me. This is all a legal courtroom. We're in a battle where the devil is the accuser of the brethren and your lay advocate is Jesus. And every time you're accused, if you have Jesus in your heart and you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, when you're accused, your lawyer steps up, <clears throat> Father, they're mine. And he says, not guilty. But your relationship can still be interrupted and you have to ask God for forgiveness. You have to repent. You have to metanoia. Change your direction afterwards when you realize you're not doing what God wants you to do. His children do that. They learn to obey in his house because of what Adam, the second Adam did. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam brings life. So knowing this, I'm still on this. My introduction is usually quite long. I apologize if... Uh, I'm being tedious. We have to understand that Peter, in the last of his life, after messing up so much in his life, coming to Jesus, he denied him three times. But now we see that in the end of his life, in his swan song, his words are so important that he wants us to know that there's a lot of deceivers and liars out there and false teachers are going to come. And the only way you can know that you're doing the right thing is to have a personal love relationship with God and to read his instruction manual. I tell you this all the time. Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what it means. This is your manual. Emmanuel with us. God with us. He wants you to read this and to know what it says. Turn your heart toward home and study the word of God. Prophecy came how? By holy men of God. Hagios, that means saints. There's saints and there's ain'ts. That's all there is in the Bible, in God's world. Saints and ain'ts. If you have salvation, you was an ain't and you become a saint. That S goes on the front of your ain't because of God's grace and you become a saint. Hagios, set apart for God's good purpose. Holy men of God spoke, King James spake, I don't know what that means. As they were moved. If you look that word up, it means led. 
See, the Old Testament, New Testament is all one testament. It's a testimony of God and his history, his will, what he's doing on the planet. It's all one testament, really. There's several covenants, but there's only one testament of God. It's the whole Bible. We've divided it. And, you know, they say that what happened was in the early days of the church, the Christians wanted to, to rid their church of Jews. So they said, your book is the Old Testament, and we have a new one. And they separated them, and they made it an Old Testament and a New Testament. But it's all the testimony of what God's doing. And you need the Old Testament, Andy Stanley. You need the Old Testament as the foundation, the bedrock that you build on, or you don't understand the New Testament. What do you mean he died for me? I didn't know I needed anybody to die. Well, if you don't know that you're confined under sin because of what the Old Testament says in Genesis, you don't need a Savior. So when you go to somebody and try to tell them about you need a Savior, and they think that they're perfect because they got a good job, two and a half kids, and they're, and they're doing great because they don't have any debt, they're thinking, well, I'm living the American dream. That's the problem. You're living the American dream. That's the whole problem. I know you're like, oh, I'm patriotic. I don't care. I'm a Christian. Christians are supposed to be Christ-like. It used to be an insult to be called a Christian. They were called Christians in Antioch first because they were acting like someone else instead of themselves. It was an insult. I'd be glad to be insulted and be called a Christian. But do my actions, is there evidence? Is there fruit? See, because if there's not fruit, then you might want to go back to the throne room and say, Lord, there's no fruit in my life. I'm still living by my own will. In Revelation, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's the atoning blood. The word of our testimony, which is continuing, it's growing, and we do not love our life to the death. In other words, you don't cling to your will, but you die to self and you start clinging to God's will. Because if you hang on to your life, what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? You want to hang on to this American dream that's going to burn? You want to hang on to this down here when we have all of heaven presented? Please repent and change your mind. Turn to the living God who died so that you could. But they were holy men of God who spoke as they were led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now let's look at Chapter 2, where I told you we would be this morning. And I would love to get into the depth of it. I'm going to read the first 11 verses, but I think we're only going to cover three verses uh, because you guys want to have supper tonight. And there's so much here that um, I'll read it for context, and then we'll just cover the first three verses. But there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. 
And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed. By the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. I'm going to stop there. That was just for context to read 4 through 11 and really show you the three examples of God's judgment just as a little teaser what you're seeing is not just God's judgment and a foretaste of the future judgment but it's called biblical consistency what God God's an unchanging God he never changes what he's always done he will always do he's always the same yesterday today and forever and these are the examples of what happens if we choose our own will and live an ungodly life instead of choosing God's salvation And receiving his righteousness. You know, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't stay in the world in your will, in self and sin and Satan, and say, I'm in Christ Jesus. They're diametrically opposed. To be in the will of God is to learn to obey God. Not for salvation, but because of such great grace and mercy that's been bestowed upon us. Because we have salvation, we've been delivered from the sin nature back into the family of God to do the will of God for the glory of God. So now, Father, pour out your Spirit and help us to understand such great truths that we would not go into destruction because of deception. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. In Jesus' name, amen. But, okay, now we, we see the word of God is being written down. Holy men of God that are obeying God. He uses their faculties, everything going on with them. You know what? The prophets weren't perfect. James says that we have a spirit just like Elijah. And you go back and read about Elijah and you go, Oh my goodness, he killed 850 prophets of Baal? Did you see that Mount Carmel victory? Did you see what he did? 
He says, okay, how long will you people stand between two opinions? Either the American dream is great or God is, oh, I mean, excuse me, either, either Baal is God or God is God. You choose. And then the fire comes down and it eats the rocks and the sacrifice. See, Elijah didn't just walk up and go, I think I'll just play a trick on these people and have some fun. God told him what to do. He had a relationship with God. He challenged them because of Ahab and Jezebel being on the throne. And, and, and Jezebel was a, 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 a Phoenician knight. Her dad was a priest of, uh, in Phoenicia. And they worshiped Baal, Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the Lord of death. And, and the king was so far away from God that he marries uh, the daughter of this priest. And it's just like you and I saying, oh, I love Jesus. And then we marry the world. Wait a minute, you're committing adultery, idolatry. You're married to Jesus. Why would you put the world and everything about it first if you're married to God? You have to put God first. He doesn't take second place. You have to give him first place or he leaves the room. And this is very difficult. I'm not, I can preach it really good, but I can sit down and listen to it too. Because we all, nobody's arrived we're running together. That's why it takes the whole body of Christ. I don't go to work on Monday, you know, not this Monday, but Monday mornings and just take my leg with me. But see, the devil has so successfully just, just disbanded the body of Christ. It was already disbanded. COVID just makes it look more clear of those who are fearing the world and fearing the devil instead of fearing God. Do you guys know that it's appointed for men to die once and then comes the judgment? We're all going to die of something. 100% of people die. I am not making light of anybody that lost a loved one in the last few days or lost them to COVID. Something's going to kill you. But the best thing is to die yourself, just to be dead to self, dead to your will, and to begin to say, God, what did you create me for? What did you call me for? Because there's nothing good that dwells in us. Not one thing. Not one thing. How did he get on that subject? Listen to me. We've got to stay in this. There, but there were also false prophets among the people. Speaking of Old Testament. And then he says also there will be false teachers among you. Well, what do they do? They secretly bring in destructive, damnable heresies even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. I want to get to it, but listen. The damnable destruction is used four different times in the first 11 verses. That's very important because it means physical, spiritual, and eternal. Listen, this is not a game. This is not about your career. This is not about a house. This is not about a car. This is about your eternal soul forever. If you're deceived physically, it's going to be spiritually damning. And if you die in that condition, it's going to be eternal. Because you're a spirit in a body. You're a spirit in a body. You're not a body with a spirit. You are a spirit forever. This body is a tent. And if you physically just say, I, I could do what I want. I already said a prayer. You're believing a damnable heresy that's been crept in. 
That's why I told you earlier that in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says if you agree with God. That's to change your mind because you weren't agreeing with God when you were born. If you agree with God, not just confess God, if you agree with Him that Jesus is Lord, kurios, supreme in authority, and that God raised Him from the dead. That's the evidence that He was supreme in authority. That's the evidence that He was the Mashiach of God. That's the evidence that God said, Tetelestai, paid in full. I receive your blood as a payment in your perfect life. The resurrection. And it's the same thing in our life. If we live in the newness of life, then you'll see fruit. There'll be evidence of a changed life. And then they'll know we're his children by our love for one another. There were false pseudo, pseudo is what that word is on the front of propheta or something of like that nature. Uh, but here, let me, let, me, let me back up. Let me digress for a minute because we get confused, I think, because of the world's lies and the devil's deception. We grow up thinking that prophecy means prediction. Well, they're just predicting what's going to happen. Listen to me, because when you look up the word, it does say prediction. But it really means foretelling the future. And we've got the word prediction kind of messed up. Because listen, if you're God, you're not, he is, and he knows everything, and he's outside of time, and, and he's never going to learn anything ever because he's the all-knowing, the great I am, he's not just predicting the future as you might think of it in your mind. He is exactly telling you what is going to happen in the future because he's already there. He's already behind us in eternity past. He's already in front of us in eternity future. And he's right here, right now, this moment because we're two or three are together. He's there in our midst. So he's not just guessing. He's telling you your heart. He's telling you what is going to happen because he already knows the decisions you made. That's why he dispatches angels to protect those that he knows in the future are going to choose him and believe in him to protect them so the devil can't destroy them until that day. He knew when he chose you that you had already chose him. So he said, I'm going to send some help and protect them. So the devil, if he finds out that they're going to choose me, he can't block it because they already decided in their heart that they're going to choose me. See, he doesn't. So he's not predicting like we think about it. He's not a Nostradamus that gets 60% right. In fact, if you go read Deuteronomy chapter 12, you'll find that if he got anything wrong, they would kill the prophet. You just kill him. Now, we can't do that today, but I guarantee you, you need to cut his head off and move away from him. Quit listening to him is what that means. That's, that's an analogy like... Don't listen to that person anymore if he gets something wrong. If he, if he claims to be a prophet, I would say, because there's no modern-day prophets. There's, no, there's a lot of people out there going, oh, I'm a prophet. No, you're not. Because God's already said everything that he needed to say. His last will and testament was confirmed with the resurrection of Jesus. Everything that he needs to say has been said. He's spoken. It's done. There's no more that he needs to do. So why would he need to let, take a prophet to speak? So I, you know, what it means when you look at it in New Testament terminology is an inspired speaker. 
led by the Holy Spirit, foretelling or foretelling. God foretells. I foretell what the Word of God says. I can foretell by just reading the Scripture. So can you. Now, I believe there's the gift of prophecy, which is foretelling the Word of God. There's the gift of teaching. There's the gift of shepherding. But go over and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And let's see what Paul says to the church in Corinth when he's writing them. Now, we just, we just left, and if you went to go read, chapter 12 is all about the body and all of us having different spirituals. All of us given what we need to be the body of Christ and find the place that God wants us to be. And then he does, but no matter what your gifting is, no matter what you're doing, chapter 13, if you have not love, God is love. If you have not love, you're a clanging symbol. And then chapter 14, he opens it up and watch with me this. He says, pursue love. Listen, you should be led by the Holy Spirit. You're always going to find love. Pursue love and then do what? Desire spirituals. Get the gifts in italics, so it's just spirituals. That gifts is put there in order to help you understand what's going on in the Greek. You're to desire spirituals. That's your gifting that God gives you. But especially that you may prophesy. Wait a minute. Is he talking to everybody? Yeah, he's talking to everybody. Down the corridor of time, he's talking to everybody. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what is it important that you go and tell people? Foretell the word of God. Foretell the truth of the scriptures. Foretell what God has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. He wants everybody. This is what there's giftings, there's talents, there's abilities, but everybody, he wants everybody to be able to prophesy. In other words, you need to have a relationship not just with the living God. I said a prayer, I believe, so do the demons. But you need to have a relationship with his word. Because the only way that they're ever going to come to salvation is if you speak their word into their life, their conscience, because of the Holy Spirit, gets pricked and they go oh i need to understand this don't i so now you have foretold them the truth of the word of god of what's going on and now they can make a decision consciously but they have all the power of the universe waiting to help them do it and if they say no we know the bible testifies twice that the fool has said no to god because they don't want to obey god Notice, let's just keep going. I'll just keep going with you. For he who speaks in a tongue, because this is really, you know, there's, it's controversial. Uh, uh, in a glossé, a tongue, does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies, foretells the word of God, speaks edification, encouragement, speaks, you call somebody near with exhortation and comfort to men. You know what? If your house is on fire, it's comforting to know that the fire department's on the way. If your spiritual house is on fire and you are condemned to hell and you are right now under destruction because all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and you were born condemned, you need to know that the fire department's coming. You need to know that help is coming. You need to know that a Savior has came. 
You're not going to learn it by, hey, want to go to church? You're not going to learn it by lifestyle evangelism. I'm just going to be real nice in front of them, and they're going to learn. They're going to look at me, and they're going to see the way I pleat my shirt that I'm a Christian. No, it has to be prophecy. It has to be the spoken word of God to them, and then the Spirit of God at the same time preparing them, and then that seed is planted in their heart, and that seed is the Son of God. And it can grow if they say, yes, I believe. I'm going to trust in Him for spiritual salvation. But faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Listen, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. This, see, he's still talking about gifts, and he's trying to prove that you can have all the gifting, and you can have charisma, and you can get everybody up in front of a good order, and you can do all kinds of stirring them up in emotion, and they go out the door, and they don't have the Word of God. So there's a gifted speaker who's a false prophet, who's not telling the truth. And in every bit of this, they come, these people came to Corinth. Paul planted the church there. God used him to share the truth. And they come to Corinth and they said, oh, Paul's nobody. Don't worry about Paul. And they began to bring damnable heresies to the church there. And the church was listening and following them. And so he's trying to prove to them that no matter how talented they are, if they're not foretelling the truth of the word of God, run from them. Because talent has nothing to do with it. God can use a mule. Remember he spoke to Balaam through a mule. God can use a rock. God can use whatever he wants to use. He used a burning bush with Moses. Listen to me. It's not about you and me. It's about God. The problem is, is on the planet, they tell us it's about us. They train it into us that it's all about you. You're the center of this. This is all about your salvation. No, this is all about God's love. And you get privileged to come back. You didn't deserve the grace. You didn't deserve the mercy. But because of his great love that you can't change... He's offering it freely. But the devil, see, he comes down with confusion and runs all kinds of interference. And he brings all this in so that you'll go, I'm okay. Yeah, I, I believe in God. I was born in America. I said a prayer once. Think about this. Angels in heaven seeing God's glory. And they were deceived by the devil to follow him, a third of them. Think about this. Adam and Eve walk with God in the garden. And they were deceived by the devil to reject his word. Listen to me. The devil is mighty. And the spirit of Antichrist has went out across the whole earth to deceive the elect if it were possible. And the only hope you have is to know that God is almighty. See, he's mighty, but God is almighty. God is the one that wants a relationship with you. God is the one that sent his love, sent this message here. Listen, I, I get into it with people all the time, and they're like, well, the word of God's messed up. Well, show me a place. And if they're brilliant, they might be able to show you a scribal error in here, which is also explainable. But listen to me. If God can't protect his own love, his own love letter, he ain't God to me, and I don't want to serve him. 
If he can't get me a revelation of who he is and what he's doing, why would you call him God? Somebody stopped him from doing what he wanted to do. That was the whole point in Egypt when God killed 3,000 priests. Huh? They had 1,000 temples, 3,000 priests. They put all their firstborn as priests instantly. They became priests when they were born in their temples. In the last plague, the 10th plague, God killed them all, all the firstborn of Egypt. Nobody could stop him because he's God all over. There's nobody that can stop him from doing what he's doing. And what's he doing? He loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He already knows you're a sinner. He already knows. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He already knows the sin you're going to commit next week. And he forgave you of it. But he says, because of this love, follow me. Go prophesy and tell others. Listen, look at uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 14. Let's look there. Let me just show you this. It's all over the Old Testament. And I'm going to spend some time here. You can, uh, you can have fun with it for a minute. But um, 2 Kings, what did I say? This was in our Bible study a couple nights ago. 2 Kings 8. I want you to see that Scripture is here for examples. Now, here's what's going on. Elisha is the prophet in that day. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Damascus, was sick. And so he tried to buy his healing from the prophet and he sends 40 camel loads of goods let me buy this and surely he'll give me good news it's all over the old testament where they where they deceive with false prophets and haziel which is a he's the right hand man of the king ben hadad brings those 40 camel loads you know if you read in the word of god you know that in first kings elisha already anointed haziel as king he already said he's going to be king. And he says, hey, my master Ben-Hadad wants to know, am I going to be healed of this sickness? I'm sorry, I'm not in any text yet. I'm just giving you a paraphrase. We're going to be in 8.14. And he goes, here's 40 camel loads if you'll speak good. I mean, that's really what it is. We buy this stuff. You know, instead of just telling the truth of what God's word says, we merchandise people, which is what Peter talks about here. And he says to him, he'll recover. But God has really showed me that he's going to die. In other words, the sickness is not going to kill him, but he's going to die. And then the prophet, the word of God. See, in the Old Testament, when you have the prophet, it's the same as the word of God. Because he was the man of God, the Hagios, that was led by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit to give the Word of God to other people. So he got it straight from God. Then he set his gaze, it tells us in chapter 8 there, upon Haziel and just stared at him until Haziel became ashamed. So the Word of God is looking at you so that you would see who you are and see that you should be ashamed of the way your heart is and how you're living. You know what Haziel said? He said, what? And he said, well, the king's going to recover from this sickness, 
but you're going to kill the babies. You're going to kill the people. You're going to kill the king. You're going to bash their heads upon stones. And he goes, what am I, a dog that I would do something like that? But the whole time the word of God was showing Haziel his heart. The whole time the word of God was showing him exactly what he was going to do. And you know what? He didn't repent. He didn't repent. That's where I'm at. 8.14. What happens? Haziel departs from Elisha. Same as departing from the word of God, which shows you the thoughts and intents of your heart. He departs from Elisha and came to his master, Ben-Hadad, who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me you would surely recover. Now, isn't that a liar? He didn't complete it. Listen to me, because this is what you have when a man is building his own kingdom instead of building the kingdom of God. This is what you have in false prophets and false teachers in America right now because the spirit of Antichrist has went out. They're telling you things, but they don't want to step on your toes. They don't want to make you mad. They want to make sure they fill their building up so they can pay for their expensive stained glass windows. And so they only tell you what is pleasing and tickles your ear and is good to you. They don't tell you what's good for your soul. See, first off, Haziel should have repented. He should have said, my goodness, how did the prophet know that I was getting ready to go home and kill the king? He should have repented and said, God, give me strength not to kill the king. Because I'm going to commit murder. But he doesn't. He said, you're going to recover. But it happened the next day that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died. And Haziel reigned in his place. See, and this is what's wrong in, in Christianity. If you don't bow down to what the word of God is saying to you, you're reigning in its place. You become king. And you smother out the word of God. Because of your own plans, your own desires, your own self-will. But when the truth of God meets your heart, you have to say, Lord God, that's me. I'm looking in the perfect law of liberty, and that's me. And I repent. I change my mind. I have no capacity to change, but I agree, God. So now would you please change me? And he promises he will. He'll wash you and cleanse you with the washing of the water through the word. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you stay in his hands. This is amazing stuff. When you go in the Old Testament, the reason I want you to get there is because I want you to understand that everything that the New Testament talks about is hidden in the Old Testament. Every page of Scripture, you have types and analogies and proof that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you cannot exhaust it. You cannot exhaust it. You can't get rid of it, as Andy Stanley said. It's just a Jewish book. Let's get rid of it. It's the foundation. It's proof that you're following New Testament theology properly when you go back and you see it all over the pages of Scripture. It's proof that you're building on. But listen to this. That knowledge can build up and puff up if you have not love. That's what Paul just told us in chapter 14. If you don't have love, you can just know some stuff and go, get out of my way. I know some stuff. Got to be careful. Just because you know some stuff or know of God, you still have to have love when you meet people. You speak the truth in love, 
And then God can move upon them. But you always have to speak the truth. No matter what. If you lie to somebody, that means you're afraid of man. And the fear of man produces a stumbling block, but the fear of God produces righteousness. Now think about this for a minute. When we start talking about false prophets and false teachers, pseudo-teachers that were in his days and they're now in our days, think about this. It's no different than the world. See, in the world, when you listen to the fake news, what's going on? We're listening to their talking points, which they pass all the way down their little line. Everybody's got the same talking point, right? Well, in the church today, just like in Israel, if you didn't use their talking points, then you didn't go to their schools the same way they crucified Jesus. Their talking points. It's the same thing in the church. Oh, well, he's got a new cart. He's not preaching the gospel. Wait a minute. You're not preaching the gospel. You're preaching somebody else's gospel. You're being an echo. You know what the word echo is in the Bible? Possession. The demon girl that followed Paul and them through the city, and they kept, she kept making noise, and finally Paul turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. The word for her being possessed was echo. Listen, you're supposed to have a relationship. You're supposed to have a voice because God spoke to you while you were in the Scriptures. You're supposed to be able to prophesy to other people because you have a living love relationship with God. Now, that don't start when you're a baby. A baby can't even talk. You start with milk, but you have to turn your heart toward home. You have to turn to God. And listen, all of us should be able to share the scriptures with people. That's why we do scripture memory verse. That's why we're going through Romans Road. That's why when you meet somebody that's standing in front of you, listen to me, you can almost see fire on them because they're going to go to hell if you don't share the gospel with them. I'm not putting the pressure on you because none are lost except for the son of perdition. But that's what we're called to do in the house of God is to share Scripture with people. And yet the church today, what is it? Form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof because they don't know the truth of the Word of God. And if you don't know truth, which is a person, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If truth is a person, He's the Word. If we don't know Him, we're never going to talk about Him. So when you spend time with Him, You'll want to talk about him. If you have the spirit of God that comes in and gives you a desire for the word of God, you will want to talk about it. When you realize you've been dangling over the fires of hell and that you are on your way to destruction and now you are saved and you want to be sanctified and soon to be glorified, you will want to talk about it. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to talk about it like you're the best gifted speaker. It's not required. Even in singing to God and worshiping Him, all we're supposed to do is make a joyful noise. It's not required that you articulate it like Billy Graham did. What's required is that you be a witness. All of us are to be witnesses. Go, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Observe is obey in the King James, if you prefer that word. But if you observe it, you're obeying it, you're celebrating it, you're living it. Go. And then he says in Acts 1, 8, 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses. Greek word martis means one who dies for their faith. Martis, witnesses throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're called to be dead to our own will and alive to God, doing what he wants to do. What's he want to do? That all men come to repentance, come to salvation, come to know his son, Jesus Christ. So false prophets, pseudo-prophets, proclaiming to know something, but yet deceiving because they don't know the word of God. Even as there will be false pseudo-teachers, I'm back in, Peter, I'm sorry. You guys can finish chapter 14 yourselves of uh, 1 Corinthians. Very important to understand gifts. By the way, tongues do exist. Uh, But if you notice, it was to edify the person, and it was to speak to God, not to man, unless there's an interpreter. And then if there's an interpreter, who is he? If I speak in a tongue right now, and there's an interpreter, what's he going to do? He's going to interpret what I said, and he's going to foretell it to you. So it's still to edify the people, no matter what. And if somebody speaks in a tongue, he goes on at the end of chapter 14. If somebody speaks in a tongue and there's not an interpreter, he says that person's supposed to be quiet, speak at home to God, not to do it in a meeting. It's clear instruction. The Bible gives clear instruction, and yet false teachers all across the planet will end their service with people coming forward and everybody talking in tongues like a mass circus, which makes no sense because... You don't know what anybody's saying. Makes no sense to me. Sorry, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. So there's false teachers. Do you know there's false teachers today? Oh, there is. Look at Acts chapter 20. We're not getting nowhere today. Listen, people, we're, we're going to stay right here in these three verses. And they secretly bring in. Look at Acts. Is it Acts 20? Is that what I said? I want you to see what uh, when Paul went bound in the spirit to Jerusalem because he's going to die eventually. Let's see, 2022. He's saying goodbye. He's coming up by a boat. He stops at the shore. He's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders where he had been for a long time. It's modern-day Turkey, 99% Muslim. If you're a Christian there, you will die um, today, but it's where the church was there in Ephesus. Um, 22, he says, and see... Now I go bound in the Spirit. Who's leading him? The Spirit of God's leading him. Go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies. And let me do a sidebar. I was talking about this yesterday. You know, everybody loves chasing ghosts and talking about ghosts and and ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. And it's the stuff that's on your cartoons now for your kids. Listen, if I was reading out the King James right now, it would say Holy Ghost. When you're talking about ghosts and you're messing with ghosts, you're talking about demon spirits. Same word right here for Holy Ghost, except holy is hagios, which is God's spirit. The other ghosts or other spirits are demons trying to deceive your kids, trying to deceive you. Don't play with it. Anyway, that was a sidebar. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Run then, you nut. Really? Not if you're being led by the Spirit of God. You don't flee trials because you're 
You're called to, I mean, think about it. Jesus didn't flee. He said, Lord, I'm just going to plead with you. My, not, not my will, but your will be done. Take this cup from me. So much stress in it that he had, remember hematidrosis, the medical term, where blood come out of his uh, corpuscles of his sweat glands? But he still said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And he went forward and set his face like flint and went to Jerusalem and let them, as he was silent before them, convict him and beat him and spit on him and mock him and nail him to a tree for you and I. And yet then they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. Sorry. You guys still with me? No sleeping. No sleeping. He's going with chains. Tribulations await me. Listen, tribulations are coming a little bit here on the planet, ain't they? Listen, let, let's just get a little bit controversial here. If you're listening to the knowledge of the world and the talking points of the CDC and the WHO and the One World Order, if you're listening to that, you're not listening to God. And if you're watching your news every day and watching all of that bad news and all that chaos and all them new variants and everything that brings fear and anxiety, then you're not listening to God. Turn it off. Read your Bible. Trust God. Believe God. They're lying to you. They're purposely trying to lie to you, to take power over you and dominance over you so that you'll believe that we need a one world leader to handle it all. Because the Antichrist is coming. And he's coming quickly. But you know what? who's coming up? Jesus is coming. And he's going to take his children home. The question is, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is something you need to know on this side of life. Physical, spiritual, eternal. In your physical life, do you believe in Jesus? If you do, now you have spiritual life. If you don't, you could get cast into destruction for eternity. Listen, let's keep moving. I wanted to get to this point. I don't know why I'm reading all of it, but I like it. I like the book of Acts. See, Jesus said it, the church believed it, and then they started doing it, and that's why we have Acts. But you know what? This is what man does, the will of man. The original title of this book, you know what it is? The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle. And then down the corridor of time, you know where you guys get it? We get it, Acts. Just do it. Just act like you're doing it. Just play act. No, 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 it was the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And it actually used to be the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So you keep the focus on God's will, not on man's will. They didn't go out with, ah, let's just go build a church. You got some blueprints and a little bit of money, let's go do it. No, they were trusting the Holy Spirit to lead them on missionary journeys and to plant churches. And the Holy Spirit always went before them. But we just changed the name to Acts. As long as you're doing something... I remember somebody saying, well, at least do something, then at least you're moving targets hard to hit. I'm like, are you crazy? That's not the Holy Spirit. Just do something. Oh, my goodness. Sit down and read your Bible. I digress. What does Paul say? But none of these things move me. No, the Holy Spirit's leading him. Same word again, move, lead. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. He's not being led by the news of the day, by the talking points of the liars, by the CDC who is lying to you. 
Why would they do that? I pay my taxes because they're under the sway of the wicked one. Because it's one world government. God's allowing them to do that. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to go to Deuteronomy. I didn't want to go there, but we're going to have to. Not going to give it to you as homework. Hold that thought that God is allowing them to do that. See, because you're supposed to hear the voice of God, John 10, 27. He knows you and you follow him. You're supposed to learn the truth and know that there's deceivers out there and keep following the truth no matter what they say. None of them move me, but I count my, that I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Have you been given a ministry? What was your ministry, Paul, to plant churches? No, to testify, to be a witness of the gospel of the grace of God. That was his ministry. There is no ministry in the church other than the ministry of reconciliation. How do you do it? You tell people the gospel. How do you do it? You tell them the word of God. You prophesy, you foretell it to them. It's the only way that, that's the only ministry the church has ever been given. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. What was he preaching? The kingdom of God, the same as Jesus was, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Listen. Listen, false teachers will not tell you the whole counsel of God because you won't come back unless you're real. You know who follows false, you know who follows false teachers? Anybody got an answer? I'll let you raise your hand. Who follows false teachers? False converts. A real convert will not follow, a real sheep will not follow a false voice very long. He'll go, whoa, that's really messed up there. That doesn't line up with the Bible. Only false converts who's, who, who has itching ears and desires to do what that pastor's saying will follow a false pastor. False prophets, false converts are led by and, and fueled by, and, and you give your money and you do all these things and you, give, and you go, I feel good because he told me I'm good. What about what the Word of God said? What did God say? Remember Acts, uh, Acts 17, is that Berean? Anybody know? Thessalonica, Acts 17, Paul and them, and they go there and they go, and he shared the word of God with them. And, they, and it says they were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians because they received the word gladly. And then they searched the scriptures, the holy writ, to see if what he said was true. Are you doing that? Listen, you just listen to a false teacher, false prophet, or do you know the scriptures? See, because the Bible testifies that you need nobody to teach you because you have the Spirit of God in you. So when I'm up here expounding, equipping, talking about the Word of God, the only way you're going to be taught is if the Spirit of God quickens that to you and you receive it. It's the Spirit that's teaching. You can't get spiritual knowledge with physical intellect. It's your spirit that's learning because the spirit is doing it because it's a spiritual God with a spiritual kingdom and this is a spirit-filled word and you can't understand it unless you give your life to Jesus and allow the spirit to flow in your life. But you can quench and grieve and insult and lie to the Holy Spirit and just clog up the flow of the water in your life that's washing and cleansing you. It's a spiritual book. Paul just testifies of it that he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching the full counsel of God. It's one of God's names, by the way, Wonderful Counselor. 
Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch, remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. See, he didn't commend him to Paul or Apollos or Bill or Fred or some pastor, but to God and to the word where you should be studying to find out if you're being deceived today or not. And which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Are you being sanctified? That's washed and cleansed, set apart for God's good pleasure. Listen, this is what the Word of God does. It's its very nature. God sent His Word to heal the land. And now when you get into the Word and you're listening to the Word and you're learning the Word, you're seeing the heart of God, the character of God, and you'll be able... what. Peter's entire letter is about to recognize falseness and apostasy or what I call culturanity where we're blending it all together the same way the nation of Israel did and nobody knew God. And all he gives us is one book that we need to learn. So listen, we're going to go to Deuteronomy real quick, uh, 13. And this is the reason I, I want to show you this because uh, of prophecy do you know that they didn't listen to the prophets i don't know if you guys knew that but the government the kingdoms that were ruling even god's people did not listen to the prophets david did but most of the kings that were apostate they kept them in prison they sent them away they had to hide from the kings because the king was going to kill them In 1 Kings 22, I was going to tell you earlier that, Je that, that Jehoshaphat is, is the king in the Judah, the southern kingdom. And Ahab is king in the northern ten kingdoms. And they decide they're going to go to war against Syria. Jehoshaphat just wants to be at peace. Well, that's a pagan nation. They've walked away from God. And he says, he says uh, will you go to war with me? And he goes, yeah, I'll go just so we can be at peace. He didn't ask God. And so the prophets are all saying, you can do this, you can do that. And he goes, Jehoshaphat goes, don't you have a prophet here that's from God? He recognized that every one of them didn't know the word of God. And he goes, yeah, I got one, but he never prophesied good to me. Elisha. No, it was Micaiah. Micaiah. He said, well, go get him. He's got him in prison. He said, bring him out of prison. And he brings Micaiah there. And here's all these prophets. And on the way there, they go, hey, hey, listen. When you get there, this is what everybody else is saying. When you get there, you speak good to the king so that he'll be encouraged. That's what they told him. They told him what to say. And he said, I, I can only say what God tells me to say. Because he was a true prophet. And he gets there and he goes, should we go to war? And he goes, yeah, it'll be fine. Go ahead. And even the king, Ahab, said, how many times must I tell you to speak the truth to me? He knew he wasn't speaking the truth. And he goes, I've seen all of Israel scattered with no, like sheep, with no shepherd. You're going to die, dude. 
And he goes, I told you he wouldn't speak good to me. Do you want somebody to speak good to you and tickle your ear? Or do you want to hear the truth? We're talking about your soul going to hell. Do you want to hear the truth? Or do you want me to speak nice and good to you? Do you want me to tell you something that makes you feel good so you can walk away and go eat your stew and die? Or do you want me to tell you the truth so that it will cut away at your heart and make you more like Jesus? Somebody said, man, you stepped all over my toes. I said, well, I'm sorry. I was aiming at your heart. Sorry it fell on your flesh. Sorry. Deuteronomy 13. This is what God told him. His heart never changes. God's ways never change. We're not under law, but this is so we're not going to be killing nobody or cutting their heads off, okay? But you better flee from them if they're false. If there arises among you a prophet, a dreamer of dreams, he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder, listen, lion signs and wonders are coming to deceive the elect. They're coming, believe me. This is what the Bible testifies in the end days will happen. In fact, it's in Matthew 24, 24 that Jesus says, that they'll bring lying signs and wonders. But he started that whole discourse by saying, do not be deceived. Anyway, you read that for homework, Matthew 24. If there arises among you, in other words, if the seminaries raise up a false teaching pastor, and there he is, and the sign and wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods. Listen to me. If he's teaching the scriptures and it's not the scriptures that the Bible that lines up with the Bible, you're going after false gods. Which you have not known. See, because you're supposed to know my people perish for lack of knowledge. You're supposed to have a relationship. Hear his voice. Follow him. And let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and serve Him and hold fast to Him. In fact, I'm not reading anymore because of the sake of time, but if you wish to read the rest of the chapter, it talks about killing your own family. If your family comes up with a new God, a new way, and it doesn't line up with the Scriptures, you're supposed to cut them off. You know, because blood is thicker than water. Huh? Blood is thicker than water. You're born on water from your mom, and that's an earthly birth. And you're a sinner, but when you come to salvation, you're born of blood. It's not the work of man's hands, it's the will of God. And that's thicker, it's stronger, it's more binding. You're in the family of God now. Jesus even says, if you don't hate your father and your mother, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. That's a powerful word, isn't it? But it actually means just to love less. You can't put father and mother above God. Nobody can be above God. He has to be number one. I'm sorry. This is pretty crazy um, depth, and I'm moving all over with Bible soldiers. I hope I'm not losing you. But we need to know the Word of God and study the Word of God and read the Word of God daily. Because the false prophets were then in the Old Testament, and... Now there's false teachers in biblical times when this is all being written down, and they've increased more and more. Jude says they crept in 
you know, and, and they're trying to deceive the elect if it were possible. But let me just tell you really quick, if you're the elect, you're reading the scriptures. You're desiring to do the will of God because the spirit of God is in you. And if the spirit of almighty God lives in your heart, what's he going to want you to do? He's going to move you to do the things of God. And it starts with the milk of the word. Saying, well, I don't understand it. You don't understand any medicine or a lot of other things, but you do it. I don't understand how a combustion engine works, but I love that I don't have to walk like Jesus did everywhere I went. Back in our text, false teachers tickling your ear, and they secretly... It says, and King James, privately shall bring in. It means they introduce serendipitously, uh, that's by stealth, without authority, fraudulently. Is that what that word was? Serendipity? Yeah, I don't know. See, there's some big words, and I was looking these words up, and I go, I don't even know what that word means. Now I've got to look up another word. But that's called digging into it. That's called finding out what he's really saying. That's called learning, because... The devil is trying to deceive you. Are you testing the spirits? Are you reading the word of God? Are you praying and asking God, am I being led astray with damnable heresies? Again, damnable is physical first. It'll make you live a way you shouldn't. Spiritual second. Eternal third. Eternal damnation is the end of it all. Heresies is a choice. I, I say this all the time. Self-deception is the only deception. If you are following a lie, you're choosing to because you're not searching for truth. You're not asking God for help. People who are living for God will not follow a lie too far. When you talk about Jimmy Jones and David Koresh and a lot of these cults and things that go on, you know, it's sad, only sad because they probably went to hell. But they followed what they liked to follow because they had their Bibles in their hand. And God's not hiding from anybody. God came to save everybody. He's always devising ways to bring his banished ones back to him. He's doing everything to get you to come and follow him. He gave his most prized possession. How will he not give us everything else we need for life and godliness? But it's a choice that we make to sup with him. As he says in Revelation 3.20, because the church has locked him out, just like the nation of Israel did and they crucified him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on your heart. He's knocking on the church door. And if anyone will open the door... I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Sup if you're in the King James. I don't know what sup means. They use that as slang now when they're asking you how you're doing. Sup. Serious situation here, people. They secretly, fraudulently bring in damnable heresies. And they even deny the Lord who bought them. Uh-oh. He bought them? You know, what would it be like if you went to, the, to a store and... You get all your stuff, and you got it there, and then you bought it, and they go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do what you want to do with that. Just leave that there. Wait a minute. I just bought it from you. So 
See, we've been bought for we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We're not our own anymore. God's not going to force his will upon us, but if we really have been bought, we've really been redeemed, we really are new, shouldn't we allow him to use us for his glory? We we belong to him. We used to belong to the devil and we lived in sin and we had our fruit from it that was death. We did everything that the devil wanted us to do. If God paid for us with his precious blood, shouldn't we let him use our hands, our resources, our lives for his glory? Hey, he knows everything. Guess what? If you'll let him, he knows what's going to happen next week. He'll prepare you for it. But if not, and you listen to the devil, you'll run into next week and go, ah, and freak out. Because you won't be ready for it. Just ask him. Just spend time with him. I used to be amazed. I'd be spending time with God and I'd get up and leave. And somebody would ask me a question exactly about what we were just talking about with God. I was just reading about it. He prepared me to have the answer when I met him. I'm like, are you kidding me? I would have never known it if I wouldn't have been reading, you know, those two chapters or you don't know the answer, but he prepares you when you need it, as you need it, for his glory. Destructive heresies. Heresies is a choice. It's an act that takes you captive if you choose to follow the false teacher. False converts follow false teachers. But true converts study the scriptures. They draw near to God, and God draws near to them. And they can tell when they're following false teachers. Something wrong. Even denying the Lord who bought them with His blood and bring on themselves swift destruction. Damnation again. Verse 2, we'll close this out. And many will follow their destructive ways. Who follows? People who want to follow their own ways looks good. Listen, you can do that. I mean, we do it all the time. All you got to do is keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. Go to another church, another church. You'll find one you feel comfortable in. Be careful you don't end up in a bar. Sometimes it's not a church. It's a bar. It's a, it's a bingo club. It's got, they got some other stuff going on. You want one that's preaching the word of God, telling you the word of God, so that your life can change and you can be like God. For his glory. You'll find a church that thinks the way you think if you keep looking. We'll pray for you. Notice it says many. Many will follow. Have you guys ever read uh, Matthew 7? Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, damnation, same word. And there are many who go in by it. That's the many. That's the false converts following the false teachers. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Are you looking? Are you searching? Are you settling up and saying, I already said a prayer. I'm good. I went to church this week. I'm good. Damnable heresies. There is, listen, there is no work you can do to be saved. Listen to me. I had somebody call me this week and they go, what do I do? My mom keeps telling me if I don't take the vaccine, I'm going to hell for committing suicide. I go, boy, there's some earthly, central, demonic wisdom. Here's the wisdom. 
God gave the CDC and all these companies the wisdom to make the vaccine, and it can protect you. So if you don't take it, you're committing suicide. I said, well, first off, nobody goes to hell for committing suicide. They go to hell for not believing in Jesus. Sin's not going to send you to hell unless you choose not to believe in the propitiation, the one who bought you. He paid for all the sin. So just unbelief is what sends you to hell, but it's your sin nature that will cause that if you believe some lie. But it's truly, you just didn't receive the gift. You can't work your way in, and if you're in, you can't work your way out exactly like that. Anyway. Many, because wide is the gate. Because of whom, okay, excuse me, destructive ways, follow their destructive ways. Why? Because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Isn't that interesting that right now that's going on? If you're a Christian and you choose a religious exemption and you won't take a vaccination, then you're a horrible neighbor and you're not loving your neighbor and you're terrible. But see, if you know the word of God, you should know not to follow the world. Now, I'm not telling you if you get a vaccination, you're going to go to hell either. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. And I'm not telling you that the vaccination is the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that. But what it is, is it's conditioning your mind and your heart and your life to listen to the government as God and, st- and, and to be afraid of them instead of listening to God as God. It's a conditioning. It's going to be a long-term thing. In fact, I had the thought yesterday, is there going to be 10 variants? Just like 10 plagues in Egypt? Will there be 10 of them to fully convince people and make them so afraid that they'll listen to the one world order and their doctors instead of listening to God? Listen to me. They're conditioning our heart in, or in Revelation 18.23, you can see the end of it. He actually says uh, that the great merchants of the earth deceived many with their pharmacy. We'll be gone. The church, the true church will be gone when you get to the conclusion where they deceive many with their, it's, it's, in, in the Bible it's actually translated sorcery. But sorcery and pharmacy is the same word in the Bible. Pharmakeia, formikia, same word. It just so happens that our translators use the wrong word, and it's really the pharmacy that they convince you to take that will eventually deceive you into, in, 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 into one thing or the other. One, fearing them, believing them, and following them, one world government, where they control you, or two, it'll be something used to, to make you transhuman, maybe, and they'll put an operating system in you that keeps you from worshiping God, and you have to worship the beast. That's the deception. Jesus said, do not be deceived. Now, all I can tell you is, is that when you know the Word of God, you're not going to listen to the world, and they tell you to put a mask on, which damages your respiratory system. They tell you to put a mask on, but they forgot to take it out of all their OSHA books that says a mask won't stop the common cold from getting to you. They tell you to put a mask on, and they make up all of these lies to control you and condition you. You don't have to be afraid. 
And at the end of the day, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you're in the word of God and you're trusting God, you have a sound mind where you don't have to worry about them. Because you know what? The greatest place to be right now, you know where it's at? It's in the presence of God. And so if we die, it's gain. We go to the presence of God. The Bible says, beautiful in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Why? Because he gave his most prized possession to get us all to heaven. And if we get there, that's the finish of the race. You're glorified with him. That's his whole purpose. We're trying to get in the next week and get us another meal and get the pastor to shut up because it's went kind of long. And he's trying to get us into heaven. He's trying to make us Christ-like, and we're focused down here myoptically on this fear of something that cannot even harm my spirit. This body wasn't meant to last. It can't hurt my spirit if my spirit's right with God. And I haven't been listening to damnable heresies from false teachers, but I've been drawing near with a pure heart. They'll speak blasphemies against the true way. The true church, they're going to begin to attack and we may even have to go underground if the rapture doesn't happen. But that's not a big deal. They're doing it already. There's churches that sing silently. You ever sing silently? They sing silently because if the soldiers hear them singing, they'll come in and arrest them and kill them. It's true. They burn their churches down where they're having service, nail the door shut. In Sudan, China, China. good people there is good people in china it's the rulers that are evil now notice this and we'll close by covetousness you know it took me 20 years to learn to say that word i could not say it i couldn't get it my tongue to turn covetousness they will exploit you exploit in the king james is make merchandise of you Make merchandise. They're using you as their commodity. Don't forget when you get your number. Don't forget when you get your stamp. Don't forget when you're all on the computer. Don't forget when they have everything and they're selling all your business. They're going to make merchandise of you. much merchandising in the church today with deceptive words for a long time their judgment has been idle and their destruction does not slumber listen when you think when you think why is God not dealing with it? I talked with a guy that is a PK he's a pastor's son pastor's kid the other day and he's not living for Jesus he knows the Bible better than most Christians that I know and he said I believe in science. I can't get over the fact that if there's a God, why is he letting kids be killed? Um, and sometimes that happens. I know another guy that was in Vietnam, and he can't believe in God because he's seen all the destruction. Listen, they're not getting away with it. God's a just God. If he's a loving God, he has to be just. One day they will be punished. But he's long-suffering, and he's giving them time to repent. He's not slumbering. He's not asleep. God is awake he knows what's going on. I'm glad he waited for me to come to salvation. I'm glad he waited for me to change my mind and repent. 
Have you changed your mind? Have you repented? Have you come to Jesus? Notice it's covetousness. How they do this stuff. Covetousness. That's the desires of your heart. That's the greed of your heart. That's how they play on you. In fact, there are those that said the original sin was covetousness. That the devil coveted God's place. And then in his pride, which most people believe is the first sin is pride. But first he coveted. First he desired to have God's place. So I don't know which was first. But see, when people tickle your ear, when you follow a false teacher, when you listen to bad doctrine, when you are deceived by destructive heresies, when you run into that and you allow somebody to merchandise you because you feel good, it's because you are getting what you want out of it. But are you getting the truth? Are you getting the gospel of God? Are you getting the true salvation that Jesus died to bring us? That's what you want. You don't want to be at the white throne judgment finding out you were listening to a false teacher. We want to show up to the Bema seat judgment. Or one day God's going to judge us even for the works that we did after we come to salvation. And if we didn't do them with a heart for God and His kingdom and we tried to build our own stuff, do our own thing, they all burn up by fire. Yet we are saved. Might smell like smoke, but we get in. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, we know that uh, it's all Your testimony. And it's all for your glory, that we would never try to steal your glory. But Lord, that we would surrender to your mighty working power. Because you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever hope for or ask. Lord, help us not to deceive ourselves, but to be doers and not hearers only of your word. Help us to be doers. Help us to surrender. Help us to have a desire to read your word. Speak to us, Lord. Show us our gifts, talents, and abilities. And help us to share your gospel with other people that are stumbling for the slaughter. Lord, we pray that you would remove any condemnation that we might have for um, our past. Because we know that part of obeying you is asking for forgiveness now. Pour out your spirit. Have your way with us. Thank you for your mighty salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I